This episode of Check the Locks is brought to you by our friends at Audible. Audible is your one-stop shop for audio entertainment where you can always find the best of what you love or discover something new. That's right. Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every genre, from mysteries, thrillers, biographies, and of course, true crime. And as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month from their catalog to keep forever, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Audible members also get access to thousands of podcasts from popular favorites, exclusive new series, and this very podcast you're listening to now. Plus, the Audible app makes it easy to listen anytime, anywhere. While traveling, working out, walking the dog, doing chores, Audible makes listening anywhere easy. And best of all, Check the Locks listeners can try Audible for free for 30 days. So head over to audibletrial.com slash check the locks or click the link in the show notes to start enjoying Audible today. Warning, Check the Locks podcast is a true crime podcast and may contain graphic descriptions of violence, murder, sexual assault, and more. Check the Locks podcast is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to Check the Locks Presents True Crime for the Short on Time. As always, I'm John Connor. I'm Olivia Cornu. Saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying, this episode is going to be a truly bite-sized true crime case. Olivia, how are you? Wonderful to see you. And also, I don't know if you've noticed, but my voice is kind of back, so I'm excited to do this. Yeah, you actually sound human again. There for a while, it was touch and go. It's half human. I still got a little gravel. I'm working through it, but I'll tell you what, compared to how I was feeling when we recorded, usually we record these episodes back to back and I had to tap out after that last one. I was like, I can't do it. So it's a little bit different than we normally do it, but I'm super happy to be here. It's almost Halloween. Favorite time of the year. Oh my God. I'm so excited. I also liked your little pun and I only know it because I know what this case is about, but your truly bite-sized case. Oh yeah. We're going to get into it here in just a minute because I know you're short on time. I'm short on time. But this episode has a real bite to it. It is, I think, going to be really good. And it really ties in to the spirit of Halloween when we think about some folklore and some urban legends, things like that. That's what really piqued my interest about this. So I'm super, super excited to get into it. But I did just want to give a reminder. Remember, our listeners, next week, we've got the great Jessica Gomez joining us for our Halloween episode. She -hmm. just wrote a new movie review. You can check it out on allhorror.net. If you're feeling, you know, trying to get in that Halloween mood, uh, check it out. It is on all horror. You can find it, read it there, but I've been chatting with her. I'm super excited for her to come on and I think it's going to be a great time. Yeah. I'm super excited for her episode. She's like our only recurring guest. So it's like a big deal. It gets festive around here. Mm-hmm. Well, Olivia, like I said, I know you're short on time. I'm short on time. The listeners are like, we can hear you now, John, like get to the episode. So what do you say? Should we quit? The Gabby Gabby get with the stabby stabby for this special Halloween short on time episode. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, this week is taking us back to Halloween night in Pasadena, Texas in the year 1974. 
Houston-based optometrist Ronald O'Brien had offered to take his children, 8-year-old Timothy and 5-year-old Elizabeth, trick-or-treating. Now, on this Halloween, they were joined by Jim Bates, a family friend, and his two children. The two families knew each other well as they both attended the same Baptist church in Pasadena. Now, both men's wives, Danine O'Brien and Jean Bates, had stayed home to pass out candy to the small ghouls and goblins who may ring the bell that night. Dressed in costume, the O'Brien and the Bates children went door to door, bags open in hopes of handfuls of treats. And as they continued on their quest for candy, they came upon a dark house. The children rang the bell, but there was no answer. And after waiting a minute, Jim Bates encouraged the kids to continue down the block. But Ronald O'Brien seemed to linger behind. And after only a few minutes, he caught up to the group. And in O'Brien's hands were pixie sticks. Now, I wanted to ask you, Olivia, because you think about pixie sticks now, right? When I think about them, I think maybe like three or four inches long, like the skinny ones. How do you remember pixie sticks from when you were a kid? Yeah, so you had the little ones that were in the paper, which were the best ones. And then you get the super mega ones that were in like the plastic tubes. And they had like the the paper at the top. Mm-hmm. So you'd rip the paper off. I think you might even had to cut those open or they might have just squeezed open. I can't remember. But the paper ones were like what I remember getting at Halloween. Yeah, I remember them from like the skating rinks. Mm-hmm. Like you go to the skating rink and go in and buy like, you know, 27 pixie sticks for like 10 cents. Mm-hmm. But they're little mm-hmm. skinny ones. In the 70s, these things were completely different. They were roughly 21 inches long. So if you got a pixie stick, it was like a big tube and it was over two feet. Just Well, close to two feet. Those had been like the big plastic ones. No? Yeah. Yeah, these the big like honking plastic ones was crazy. So as I was doing the research, I was like, there's no way those things could exist now. They're like parents just wouldn't get them for their kids anymore. But like they're huge. 21 inches of like sugar powder. Sugar, Yeah. Does the dip a stick or whatever they were called. Yeah. You're talking about fun dip, which is crazy because Millie loves it. it anytime we yeah, can get it for her, she's all about it. But even that is like a small package, a little of piece sugar. of candy. Mm-hmm. It's not a 21 inch, like <laughs> two inch diameter tube of sugar. Right. You used to could get three packets. You used to get three flavors when you used to get fun dip. Now I think they just make one little packet or they still make the three individual ones. I think you could probably get them either way, but I know, you know, if we're getting them from Millie, we're like, the one is good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Also for the listeners at home, I forgot to mention this as we, when we started this episode, but Olivia is currently recording from her childhood bedroom in her childhood bed currently. So it's a real, like, she's got a very comfy thing going. She's laid down relaxed. So. If you hear her snoring, it's just because she fell asleep as we were recording this, but thought we would let everybody know. I might post a picture in the Facebook group just showing her beautiful background and stuff like that, but I hope that you stay comfy through the rest of this episode. You know, as much as you think I'm comfy, my shoulder over here is a little, got a lot of pressure on it. You get you a couple more pillows? Yeah, then I might get too comfy. Okay, Okay. keep going, keep going. So these are kids, right? So when you get a giant tube of sweet and sour fruit flavored powder, you're going to be super excited. Now, according to Ronald, after the kids had left the home and went down the street, someone had come outside and gave the candy sticks to him. Now, on this Halloween night, it was chilly and rainy, and the children only managed to make it about two blocks worth of houses before calling it quits. When the O'Briens returned home, Daneen left to visit a friend. 
and Ronald was tasked with getting the children ready for bed. After they were settled, Ronald told both Timothy and Elizabeth that each could have one piece of candy before bed. Timothy, excited at the offer, chose the pixie stick. Elizabeth would pick a different candy. And as Timothy ate the powder, he complained that it tasted bitter. That is when Ronald O'Brien gave him a glass of Kool-Aid to help wash it down. But then, only a short few minutes later, a terrifying tragedy began. Timothy began to feel intense cramping in his stomach. He ran to the bathroom, vomiting intensely. And soon the young boy was foaming at the mouth as he convulsed on the bathroom floor. Ronald O'Brien holding his son in his arms as his small body went limp. And by the time the ambulance arrived, it was too late. Eight-year-old Timothy O'Brien was dead. And the police quickly began to investigate the boy's murder. They asked about anything that Timothy had ingested that evening. And it was then that detectives made a startling discovery. The pixie stick that the boy had eaten was loaded with potassium cyanide. In fact, two inches of the 21-inch tube were packed with the poison. It would later be determined that the amount that Timothy had ingested was enough to have killed two grown men. Investigators needed to know where the poison candy had come from, and they asked Ronald O'Brien to take them to the home that gave them the poison treat. The homeowner, Courtney Melvin, was promptly arrested, but Melvin told police that he had been working on that Halloween night and nearly 200 co-workers could place him there. This made Melvin's alibi airtight. He couldn't have passed out the poison. So the question remained, where did the cyanide-laced sticks come from? This was a question that made authorities take a closer look at Ronald O'Brien. You see, Ronald was having some serious financial issues. He was $100,000 in debt, which adjusted for inflation in 1974, $100,000 would be the equivalent to $602,000 today. What was he buying? I don't know. It didn't. $100,000 a house was like 20 grand, I feel like back then. Yeah, I don't know what he was buying. It definitely seems like he had some problem, but in the research, I couldn't really find exactly what it was. Uh, but he was definitely having some crazy spending habits. Now, his car was about to be repossessed and the family's home was facing a possible foreclosure. Additionally, Ronald was most likely going to be fired by the Texas State Optical Board over allegations of theft. And it was then that investigators made the most damning discovery. Now, in January of 1974, Ronald had taken a $10,000 shared life insurance policy out on Timothy and Elizabeth. But on October 3rd, shortly before Timothy's death, he had taken an additional $10,000 policy out on each individual child. Which, I don't know about you, but to me, there's something highly suspicious about that. That's pretty suspect. Yeah, definitely suspect for sure. Super sus, bro. The show. The show. They also found out that O'Brien had asked his community college professor about cyanide. Additionally, a chemical plant worker recalled O'Brien asking where he may be able to buy some. And finally, when Ronald had told the children that they could have a piece of candy, they learned that Timothy originally went for a sucker. But O'Brien told him that he didn't have the time and suggested he eat the pixie stick instead. Also in my research, what I found was really interesting 
is that Timothy went to try to eat it, but it was super jammed in the tube. Mm -hmm. And O'Brien actually had to roll it between his fingers for the powder to come out, which, you know, means whatever was in there was super jammed in there tight. Like it was loaded. See, and down in the South, when the humidity is so high, sometimes your pixie sticks were just stuck. Yeah, they turned into... So, like, that wouldn't have even been a thought for me. Yeah, it's not a pixie stick. It's a pixie stuck. Right. Because <laughs> it won't come out. So, who do you think was coming up with this? The daughter? Like, the daughter, you think, is where all this information was coming from? From what I could tell, yes. Because okay. it would have been the daughter and... Timothy and Ronald, who were home at that time. And Elizabeth okay. was five years old. I mean, Millie just, just turned five. I mean, she could. She's smart. She could tell you what happened in a given night. Oh, yeah. yeah. But at this point, it seemed that the truth of what had happened was actually coming into focus. Ronald O'Brien had murdered his son and had planned to murder his daughter, Elizabeth, as well. In fact, the morning after Timothy's death, Ronald O'Brien contacted the insurance company asking about how he could collect the payout. A search warrant of the home was executed and investigators found a pair of scissors with traces of both cyanide and the pixie stick filling. The police now believe that O'Brien had planned on poisoning his own children, but he had to shift suspicion. Their theory was that the murderous father hid the pixie stick up his sleeve. He then gave the tainted candy to his children as well as the Bates children, hoping to make it seem like someone was planning on harming innocent trick-or-treaters. They also learned that O'Brien had given a fifth pixie stick to another little girl who was just out randomly trick-or-treating that night. But luckily, no other children were harmed. Ronald O'Brien was arrested on November 5th, 1974. During his trial, he continued to claim that someone else had given the pixie sticks to the children. According to O'Brien, a man's hairy arm stuck out from the door of the dark home that Halloween night, holding the pixie sticks. But the jury didn't buy it, and it only took them 46 minutes for a guilty verdict to come back. And on June 3, 1975, Ronald O'Brien was sentenced to death by the electric chair. Now, over the next 10 years, he would exhaust all of his appeal options, and he would have multiple stays of execution. During this time, Texas would actually scrap the electric chair and adopt lethal injection as its death penalty method. And on March 31st, 1984, Ronald O'Brien was put to death. Now, on that day, nearly 300 people showed up yelling trick or treat while throwing candy at anti-death penalty protesters, which I thought was super intense. Like these people were psyched for this guy to get a death penalty. Yeah. I mean, what would have happened if he would have killed all these other children? Well, and that's definitely what we're going to talk about because I think it ties into like part of the motive or what the plan was. But I mean, you have to think this was 10 years after and 300 people still were still so wrapped up and invested and had it in the front of their mind, what this guy did that they show up 10 years later to celebrate him getting the lethal injection. Now, after Ronald O'Brien had taken his last breath, Timothy's mother, Daneen, was quoted as saying, he made his bed, and now he's having to lie in it. I have no pity for him. Nor do I. He killed his own child over yeah. some debt. 
and could have potentially killed several other children. Just innocent kids. This was a this was a doozy, John. Well, and the reason I picked this one is, you know, kind of like what I talked about before, this really ties in that folklore, right? There's always been the like the razor in the apple or you know, like the the needle in the chocolate, like these like urban legends that you hear about people poisoning candy and stuff. And this story really stuck out to me because this is somebody who was trying to capitalize on that and basically saying like, oh, I can use this urban legend idea and be like, yeah, somebody in the neighborhood just went crazy and wanted to kill a bunch of kids on Halloween, right? poison them all with cyanide, you know? And so it's just like Elizabeth O'Brien was five. Millie just had her fifth birthday. Wild. So I'm like thinking about like what kind of person are you that you could do this? I mean, I would lose everything. You could take my house. You could take my car. Like I would give you anything to keep my kids safe. So I, I don't understand. And like to do that to your friends, like your friends from church. I don't know. It's crazy. So yeah. Like all the kids, like you're out trick or treating. It's like when I was a kid, we'd go out trick or treating with my best friend at the time's mom. She would take us sometimes and we would walk up and down the street and not even given two cares in the world about what house we were going to, who was there, whatever. But she was always standing at the end of the sidewalk, like waiting for us. But like, that would be like if she, shout out Mama Angie, if she would have poisoned us with potassium cyanide, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. we go trick or treating every year with Millie. We, now we go to one neighborhood, like we do a family thing. Right. We have a cousin who lives in a neighborhood and the neighborhood takes it really seriously. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just... But I was like you, where it was like when you were little, I mean, we would do two costumes. We would do the whole neighborhood, come home, put another costume on and go do the whole neighborhood again. Like it was like, how much candy could I get? You know? And even as a kid, you know, those stories, you know, right. it's like, you know, like you said, I think you were telling me your grandma used to make popcorn balls and the she's, popcorn balls. She stopped making them because of those like stories and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't understand. Like, I mean, I remember like. When we would have Halloween candy, like make sure they're not open, like don't eat anything. Like I still feel like we were able to eat stuff, especially if we knew what house they came from, which is even more shocking because it would be like, oh, well, Mr. Ronald just gave me this. So I'm going to have it like you. You trust this person and you think that it's safe and you trust them with your kid because you're trick or treating with them. But. Yeah, no, no. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's It's uh, it's sad. I think the hardest part for me was going through and like this kid came home so excited, right? Cause like you've been a kid. You you've get your piece kids. of candy before bed. Yeah. And I remember, you know, it's something that I do with Millie now that like my mom and dad used to do with me, but it's like, okay, I got to check in to make sure it's not poison. And like you eat a piece. Cause that's like, we're out of the, you know, <laughs> that's how mom and dad get to have some, some steal some candy. Some right. Candy. But like just thinking about like how excited I used to be when I came home or seeing my kid get done trick or treating and dump it out on the floor, and you're just so excited. And you're what all you got? Yeah, you'd go through all your loot and just see yep. what you got. I'm like all my Reese's over here because this is like the go- like peanut butter chocolate. This is where it's at. Put your put your bottle caps over to the side, the trash pile, yep. the Whoppers. candy corn. You know, oh, I like candy corn. I see. I'm somebody who does like candy corn as well in moderation. Dot, dots need to go into the trash pile. Dots, Whoppers, and bottle caps. Yeah, I'm not a big malt, like the like the Whopper malt candy. Like, get I'm not out even here. really a big chocolate eater. Like, I eat chocolate, and it's every now and then like I crave a piece of chocolate, but I'm a sour candy girl all the way. Gummy bears and sour candy. We got a jar of double-dipped chocolate peanuts from the Girl Scouts. They would sit there forever. 
I'll say an eight ounce jar. We had it maybe a day. And I was like, these are mine. They're gone now. I just smashed them. <laughs> but, but like, I, like, I remember that, like, that was your reward. That was like, I've conquered this neighborhood and now I get to come home and like, I get, you know what I mean? And so thinking about this kid who came home and he was so excited and was just like ready to dive into like, when you're a kid, that's literal treasure. You know, like this is going to last me until Christmas. I have so much candy mm-hmm. and you eat it. And then literally minutes later, you're cramping and throwing up and foaming at the mouth. And this poison is just ripping your butt. Like, just thinking about what must have been going through that kid's head and the shift from like, this is one of my favorite nights ever to like the, the fear that he must've been feeling in that moment was mm-hmm. absolutely heartbreaking to me going through this, yeah. you know? And it's just like, and he for didn't even what? He have the piece of candy he wanted. No. He and, wanted a and thankfully his sister was like, no, I'm not going to eat that. I want something else because in the research, I also mm-hmm. learned that Ronald encouraged her to try to eat some of the pixie stick as well. And she was like, no, I don't want that. And she just stuck to her guns and did something different. So I don't know. Like I said, it's just, yeah, I think it ties into a lot of like that cultural fear that we have about safety and these, there's reasons that these urban legends and like folklore and stuff like that around Halloween and what people do have been around forever. And I think this is just like a really good example of how those things can actually manifest themselves in real life. So I, mean, I don't know if we're talking deadbolt test. I mean, I know you're not trick or treating this year, but like, who says? Oh, my bad. What do you? What are you going to ask? I haven't decided yet. Well, you know, I love Halloween. I do. I love dressing up. I like to dress up my dog. I'm sure you you saw the dragon costume mm-hmm. from last year. I'm pretty certain. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I don't get any trainers at my new house. And I didn't get trick or treaters at my old house either because all the big million dollar mansions were on the side, the cross street from me. So they'd walk down that street. They wouldn't walk down my street. But no, I'm not trick or treating this year. I don't know if I talked about this last year, but like we've been in this house like six years. And I think I could count on maybe one hand the number of trick or treaters we've actually gotten. And I, I always I love trick or treaters. So do I. But what I do is every year, I go out and buy candy like we have 300 trick-or-treaters because I'm like, well, if this is the year. Yeah, and then I buy what I want. Yeah. So then I just have all this candy. And Kara's like. But candy's I, expensive these days. But Kara's like, I know what you're doing. That isn't for kids. You're like stocking yourself <laughs> yeah. up like a squirrel to get through the winter. Oh, oh like, now I got colleagues who have kids. And so she's like, yep, we're about to have a restock of our candy pile. I'm like, come on, bring it in. I went to therapy after Halloween last year. And the, my therapist was like, do you want some candy? We thought we were going to have a bunch of trick-or-treaters. So, like, I'm at therapy just eating. Eat my Sour Patch Kid. Almond Joys and <laughs> Reese's. Like, yeah, let's let's really get in. Let's do the work this week. It's, it's really good. So. Well, I'm putting it at a nine. All right. Tell me why. I mean, I'm saying a nine, but really it could be a ten. I mean, I was that kid. I remember being in Timothy's shoes, coming home from a night of trick-or-treating, dumping your bag out on the floor, wanting that piece of candy before bed. And I just never in a million years could even imagine that my own father would poison me. Like, here, have a pixie stick. So this is, it's devastating. And, you know, Ronald O'Brien is very lucky that other children didn't die because of his stupidity. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. What what about you? I know you're going to go with a 10. Oh, it's a 10 all the, all the way. It's a 10 for exactly what you said, where, you know, being that kid, like that's, I think that's part of the reason why I still love Halloween so much. Like 
I love the scary decorations. I love the rush. I love, you know, being like, I cannot wait to get home and like, see what I've done. And like I said, dump it out on the floor and you look at your conquest. Like I, I have done this. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've brought this treasure home and to have something so innocent and beloved by children all across the country be tarnished with something like that is, is number one is heartbreaking. It, it just, it breaks my heart for Timothy and Elizabeth. And then to think just how mad that the the Bates family must've been that like, you're going to try to poison my kids. Cause like, you know, you owe somebody money. And then just to think that there is a father out there who thinks that their kid's life is worth $20,000, not losing your house, you know, or your car. I mean, it's, you know, life gets bad, but it gets better. Yeah. A hundred percent. And there's like, there's nothing in the world that means more to me than my family, you know, like that's number one. So, you know, I think that's the thing with Halloween is that it's a time where monsters and, and goblins and ghouls and these things that are normally scary and things like that are, are made to be fun. And unfortunately, Ronald O'Brien was a real life monster and there was nothing playful or fun about it. He was just an evil person. And just thank God nobody else got hurt. You know, I like so sad for, for Timothy and such a like terrible loss for his family, but it just could have been so much worse. So. Yeah, this definitely was a, a, a spooky one for Halloween. Oh, for sure. But you know, as always, we got to throw it over the locksmiths. Olivia, you're putting in a nine slash 10. I'm hard 10 all day, but we need the listeners to let us know. Where does the murder of Timothy O'Brien fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you, spend a little bit of time with you. It's the best place on the internet, as John always says. It is the best place on the internet. We actually had today, we had five people join, which I was pretty excited oh, about. So, Also, can you post your family Halloween costume photo in the Facebook group? I can. Yeah, we haven't done a family one yet, but there's one of Millie and then one of me and Kara. I'll, I'll post it for sure. Because we'll we did, but we just didn't get a chance to get one together. But oh, we will well, uh, have a redo on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Halloween yet, but we went as Twisted Sister because my five-year-old discovered we're not going to take it and loves the music video and apparently thinks it's super cool that, you know, twisted sister is a thing. So she got to be little D Snyder. And then Kara and I were the other people that you don't know their names and twisted sisters. And that is why Millie is the coolest five-year-old there is. Oh, she's all about that life, dude. She, she's not going to take it and she wants to rock. So twisted sister is definitely for her. But speaking of that, I know that we did this last year, but if you are in the Facebook group, we want to see what you were dressing up as for Halloween. So drop some pictures, show us your costume, let us know what you're rocking this year. We would love to see them. I think it's a great way for you know people to get to know each other and uh, kind of show off their creativity and stuff like that. So please, if you're in our, in our Facebook group, let's, uh, let's see what you're working with this year. I might have to post my snail mail picture from two years ago. Me Do and Ellie were pretty cute. Do it. All the cuteness. We talk about some really dark stuff on this. So all the cuteness in the Facebook group is always uh, very, very welcomed. And as always, if you like check the locks, you want to support what we do help us out financially. You can do so by becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com forward slash check the locks, get signed up today. We got a lot of great benefits. We got exclusive stickers, t-shirts, coffee mugs, 
all things that you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes ad-free and early. So if you love Check the Locks but you hate commercials, Patreon is the way to go. So again, you want to help us out, throw us a couple bones, help us keep the Halloween lights on, patreon.com forward slash check the locks, get signed up today. We would be forever in your debt. And if you cannot financially support the show, we definitely understand just listening and hanging out with us, sharing what we do with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if that is you, you're listening to the show, you're sending it to other people, letting them know to check it out. Just know that from the bottom of our hearts, it means more than we could tell you. Again, that is how we're going to grow, get out in front of new listeners and really, you know, continue to expand this community is through those grassroots things. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to check the locks in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying bite-sized true crime case. But until then, don't forget to check the locks and your candy. See you next week. Bye. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.